Hello and welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast. I'm Frank Days, your host today. This podcast is where we take the time to explore the way marketers are using Agile to improve the performance of all their marketing programs. Uh, Before we meet our guest, I'd like to say hello to my co-host, John Cass. How are things going, John? Hi, Frank. I can't believe it. Two podcasts in a week. I know. It's remarkable. After a, a year of vacation from podcasting two in one week, the good news is that there are, thanks to our wonderful group on Facebook, we're starting to build up a little bit of a backlog of people we can interview. Just as a reminder to people out there, if you're interested in being interviewed on the podcast, take a few minutes, reach out to either John or me on the, on the group on Facebook, and we're glad to talk to you and see if we can bring you on the podcast. And now I'd like to bring our guest. Today we're going to talk a little bit about getting started again with Agile, getting started with Agile in your marketing team. Today's guest comes from uh, Nitro Software Incorporated. I guess technically I was told it's actually Nitro PDF PTY Limited from Australia. But please welcome Sean Zinsmeister. Sean, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Did I get it right? I got it mostly right, right? You got it mostly right. <laughs> Great. And Sean is a senior marketing manager at, at Nitro, but among other things, you know, he talked a little bit about the way that they use Agile across the company. I just wanted to also make a, a shout out for those guys. And it's kind of amazing today. Maybe we'll touch on this a little bit about the way they're, they're quite a distributed organization with offices. It's an Australian company, correct? Australian born and now headquartered here in San Francisco. Headquartered in, in the Bay Area. And then yep, with with offices in, I'm going to go down the list, Slovakia, Ireland, St. Petersburg, Russia, Dublin in Q4, Spain, and Manila, Correct. Philippines. Wow, that's a pretty amazing team. Well, let's, let's jump right in and I can get, go back to like our first question here, which is, so how did you guys get started with Agile in, mar- in your marketing team? We've sort of always done Agile since I started here at Nitro, but really from talking to our VP of engineering, I was able to sort of he was really adverse with how he ran software development teams, and he was a big champion of agile methodology. And so we really were able to borrow a lot of the principles that he had used in previous software development teams that he had run even before he arrived at Nitro uh, and really sort of adapted to that to marketing best practices and how we could sort of get more done and adapt to change. So what was the um, catalyst for your interest in in starting to use those agile techniques, Sean. Sure. Well, Nitro, you know, it's we're a challenger brand. Um, you know, we we compete very openly in the market against Adobe. So, you know, as a lot of people are trying to do these days, we're trying to do more with less. And agile methodology was a really great way for us to really pick apart very large projects and sort of get things done quickly without really having to compromise in quality. You know, what we kind of started off, we kind of have a hybrid of agile and waterfall methodology here at Nitro, and we actually mix a bit of lean principles in as well. And we sort of add that to our day-to-day, and it's actually been really helpful in helping us scale. I started last year, we only had about two people in our marketing department, and now we've grown to about 22. Holy Uh, cow. We've grown awfully fast through all different functional areas of marketing. And it's been a really great way for us to get the transparency and really just be able to us to keep performing at a really high level. So can you give me a sense of what's currently agile and what's currently waterfall? I guess what's, maybe I'll put it slightly differently, what is not agile? Because we talked with other guests about what I sometimes refer to as the waterfall overlay. Yeah, and I think it's that's a really big challenge that I think a lot of marketing departments are facing. 
Well, so in the beginning of the year, you know, we have our fiscal revenue targets for both. You know, Nitro's uh, revenue model is actually broken up into online revenue, which is more of our transactional sort of single license software purchases. And then our direct sales team that handles more of the volume. Uh, for us, the dichotomy is actually in 11 or more licenses. We pass that on to the direct sales team. You know, because we're such a numbers-focused marketing operations team, you know, the numbers that we need to hit every month for both online revenue and our lead targets, uh, those are sort of set in stone for us. So we know what our sort of annual revenue targets are that we're going to be looking at. We also know that there's going to be some big launches uh, set forth every single year. So there's usually two big releases that we do, you know, a dot five release and then a big annual release closer to the end of the year like we're about to enter in for September. So in that way, like we kind of know that we have very big milestones that we need to lead up to. And I think that where the hybrid helps us is that, you know, we use Agile in all of our campaign planning because we're numbers focused. It allows us, you know, at a weekly basis to kind of see where things are trending, turn on a dime if we need to, add more marketing activity to drive our numbers. And we're really just allow ourselves to be flexible to make sure that we really are hitting our goals every single month. Sprint durations. Can you give me a sense? So monthly? Is that what I'm inferring? We actually go with the two-week rule for our Wow, okay. Um, and actually, um, to give you guys a little bit of background about how our marketing department is set up, we actually separate it in two, which there's marketing operations, the demand generation team that I run here of about eight people and growing, and then what we kind of dub the internal agency, which is our creative. So we have about four internal designers, two full-time copywriters, a PR social team, and then our team of web developers as well. And those guys are kind of interweaved in all of the different sprints that we do. Uh, it's because they're going to need to leverage them to produce assets for campaigns and landing pages and you know site refreshes and optimization and things of that nature. So when we sit and do our, our sprint planning, at the, usually toward the end of the month to get ready for the next month, we break it up into two-week chunks. And we actually divide our marketing operations team into online and B2B as well. So there'll actually be two sprints running with two-week sort of cohorts. And, the, and then all of the internal agency is leveraged uh, to ensure success of those two teams. Make sure I understand this. So your two teams are your online team and your B2B, sorry, your online sprint scrum and your B2B scrum? Correct. What, what was the logic behind separating those? Well, for us, uh, a lot of it actually organically grew out of the resources that we need. We really wanted to have a team of marketers, which we actually call Marketing Solutions, that focuses on B2B demand generation. Um, it really became clear, you know, one of the big marketing challenges we have is that there's this Venn diagram that sort of sits between online and B2B where really what separates them minus some, some integration technology that we have and server technology that is very much focused on enterprise, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were really focusing on both of those targets and had dedicated resources for them. And so splitting the teams and having that focus was really, really important. And that also gave ownership of the numbers as well. So we actually have an online team really owns that online revenue number. They're really watching it very closely. So when we have our, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier, we have a weekly sort of online revenue scrum uh, where all the stakeholders meet. We take a look at where we're, we're tracking. That team's really focused on what marketing activity we need to do to drive that number and make sure that we're hitting target. And same goes for the counterpart on the B2B side. So it's it's literally you scrum, you know, your scrums are organized based upon your revenue numbers. That's exactly correct. Your revenue streams. Cool. That's interesting. That's a first. John, have we heard that before? Or I think that may be a first. Yeah, I don't think so. That is interesting. 
my day job, I have a smaller team. I've got, you know, four people on my marketing team. So, you know, we've got just one scrum, you know, so it makes life a little, you know, in some ways easier and harder, but that's an interesting way to break out. So if you had it all in one scrum, did you have challenges with the B2B guys got left out or? Actually, the biggest challenge that we've had in the scrums, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the methodology we've used to sort of solve for that. Uh, because the team has grown so big so quickly, um, you know, I try to make all of our scrums last no more than 15 minutes. And actually, when we got started, I literally will time each and every one. And now we're in a bit of a rhythm that I don't need to do that as much anymore. But what we actually started doing is actually electing what we kind of call scrum ambassadors from each of the teams. So we'll really only send one designer to a scrum meeting, one person from PR and social, and one person from web dev. And then they offer the sort of, you know, what did you do yesterday? What did you do today? What are the blockers? So we get that transparency, and we're still able to move through the meeting uh, at a pretty quick pace. And that, it's also just been getting feedback from the team. You know, how do we make our scrums more useful to everybody? Because you don't just want to have like a 15-minute meeting for the sake of having a meeting that's not valuable to everybody. I mean, it's great to know what's going on, but if you can't actually use that to leverage in your day-to-day, -day, uh, it's not very useful. So we've really been keeping that feedback loop open to how we sort of maximize uh, the use of that tool. How long do you sprint? We usually do about two-week sprints is usually what's very common for us. And do you have a period at the end where you do some more planning? What, uh, what, what happens at the end of the sprint? We do. And actually, the, the sprint planning that we do, and this is kind of where Waterfall, I think, really intersects for us in Agile, where uh, when we do our sprint planning, we're really thinking about the entire month. Um, so for example, our B2B team will get together and sort of lay out all the different types of campaigns that we, we think we're going to really want to be able to push forward given the resources and time that we have. And then what we'll do is our project coordinator, we have a dedicated project coordinator that sort of works to, to execute these. She'll set us up into two-week sprints, and then we'll kind of move from sprint to sprint. And if we get things done really quickly, uh, we'll certainly add more things. And then, we, of course, we're always looking at our numbers where, you know, we may look at our leads number and say, gosh, we need to put a little bit more effort into uh, the B2B channel. What more can we put out there? Uh, to drive the number. And so we're sort of constantly iterating, but we do do a pretty good job of sticking to sort of two-week chunks uh, so, and organizing ourselves that way. So give me a sense of this coordinator role. I mean, is that like a, I, I make, put my agency hat on, is that someone like, sort of like the traffic person in a traditional agency? Yeah, it, it, it's, that's a good way to think about it. You know, the way that I think of our project coordinator, project manager is that that role is there to set everybody else up for success. Uh, and that actually includes being our dedicated scrum master and also being able to just direct traffic to make sure that designs are going over to dev where it's not just we're not just throwing designs over into you know into darkness and then they come back and it's not quite what we wanted so she really manages the communication plan and makes sure that there's you know really make sure that 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 collaboration is tight so we're getting the quality project that you know we we really set forth and that all the business goals are also being uh, attended to as well I know that uh, you've been doing this for about a year, but was the coordinator throughout that year, or did they come in later? Coordinator position was definitely added toward the end of last year. Um, I think that what's been great about how we add positions, especially into our, our sort of our agile makeup, uh, we, we've been very organic about how we add them. Uh, there's obviously certain specialty roles that we're adding now that we know that we want to we want to do to to really help us in particular channels. But you know that role really grew with the fact that I was the dedicated scrum master for a while, and it just got to be well too much work 
uh, and with too many people, it, it became a little bit overwhelming. We really wanted to have somebody who could take it and own it and make sure that we were going to be hitting our success metrics uh, across the department. Who plays product owner? The product owner is really me for the most part. It's really me and then our executive stakeholder. Um, yeah. It, it really depends on... You know, it really depends on 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 what the project is and what what the uh, what the goals kind of are. But for the most part, I'm really acting as the product owner, so I'm I'm usually the last final sign off on a lot of things, which that really helps to have one point of communication that's sort of looking at everything as it comes down the pipe and says, "Yep, this looks like it. You know, it's 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 going to be good to go." Um, and it just it it helps simplify the communication process. Now, I think that that will probably evolve as we add more senior level positions into our into our department but for now it's been been the simplest solution to have me as a dedicated product owner both teams both group yeah. wow absolutely interesting interesting so maybe we could take a moment and, and shift gears and talk a little bit more about so advice right advice to someone who our listeners out there many people are not practicing maybe many people are just going to try this for themselves and think about well, geez how do i get started i mean you guys are it sounds like you already had developers playing agile which is when i really first started getting serious about it i had that same benefit of we had a scrum master in the on the team was our product manager i had a couple a couple other people one person on my marketing team had, had come from an agile shop so i had the benefit of and i had been tinkering with it for a few years what do you do if you don't have any of that stuff? <laughs> well, there's a couple, I think a couple key pieces of advice that, that I can offer. One is, you know, we sort of have a mantra here that, I, that my guys probably get tired of me saying, but start at the end and work backwards. Um, we really try to think with success metrics first and then figure out everything else that goes in the middle. Um, you know, it kind of goes to the point where you don't want to boil the ocean uh, in one go. But the whole point is, is that if you know the numbers that you're trying to actually drive and succeed and what your targets are, you know, what does success actually look like? Uh, we have a good idea about how we can organize ourselves and what it's really going to take to build out what we need to, to accomplish our goals. I think that the other piece of advice that really is worth for me, and I'm, I'm going to borrow a little bit from my music background, I think, in this one. Uh, I actually went from being classically trained musician to, to marketer, which is a, a, a probably a story for another time. But when you when you learn sort of music composition, they tell you you have to start with the strictest of rules. You know, you can't really break those rules. And I actually think that when you're getting started with Agile, it really helps. There's a lot of great material out there, you know, between like Jim Mule's blog and your guy's blog and just other sort of manifestos that have been kicked around in the meetup groups. Uh, that are in various cities that are starting to emerge, you know, being able to borrow from some of those sort of, you know, strict rules and then figure out how they're going to work for your organization. You know, I, I don't think that there's a cookie cutter um, model that's going to work for every single business and every single business is relative. And I think that, you know, start with the strictest of rules and then figure out how you can break them as it sort of works for your organization, I think is a is kind of a great philosophy to getting started with Agile. Yeah, and that's pretty, we've heard that from a many, you've listened to our podcast for a while, we've heard that from many of our guests that, you know, maybe marketers, they're more creative sort, but we've heard a lot of people who've kind of borrowed some of the core principles, but then from there have been riffing or, you know, adjusting, adapting to the things that really make it work for them. Absolutely. And I think that the other thing is that don't, the other th piece of advice, you know, the great thing about software development is it very much can be kind of a binary process and, you know, where things can be built in blocks and really strict agile development works really, really well. That's 
doesn't always work for marketing as you need, you know, right. more, more touch points, uh, more collaboration, you know, more conversations that need to go into to the projects that you're doing. I think that, you know, one thing that we struggled with a little bit or that I particularly struggled with with the Agile model was really trying to stick to strict Agile. And I realized that it, would, it just wasn't going to work being really strict Agile. We needed to have some things that were waterfall for us um, and really put forth that agile and hybrid waterfall model that was going to help us sort of sort of run. And I, and I think that that's really important as people sort of gather the information, they listen to different companies and what, the, and what they're doing and what's working for them and, and realize that like agile for software development works really well for them because there's a system and processes that they're going through that, that is very much around the software development discipline. And while marketing and technology are harder to, you know, separate from each other as we move forward, it doesn't need to be as strict as, as some of the software development agile methodologies can be. Great. Well, we're starting to bump up against it in time. So I just wanted to ask you maybe one or two more questions. What about culture and values? I mean, that's one thing when I looked at your website, I saw four core values, right? No BS. Yep. <laughs> be passionate. Strive to make your product easy to use work hard, play hard. I mean, how do those values play into why you guys are really have embraced Agile? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm really proud of our culture here at Nitro, and I, I really think that, you know, out of all the assets that we have, our culture is really the, the most special thing that we have here at Nitro. I mean, once people kind of step into our office in San Francisco, you know, they're, they're really, really, they get it, just like you know, you're saying, just looking at the website. Agile is a really good partnership for that, uh, culture because there are very few companies that I can sort of walk up and tap on the door and walk right into the CEO's office and say hey you know I got this idea or here's what I want to show you that we've been working on that type of transparency that you get in agile methodology is is really what we reflect here at Nitro as well you know we don't want to work in silos we want to have open communication where where it, you know it, it's necessary and not disruptive obviously or distracting um, and I think Agile has really given us that transparency. I think that the thing that is most unfortunate is when you have, you know, a large department of people and, you know, they sort of, you know, stare at the other guy across the room and wonder, you know, oh, I wonder what they're working on today or what are they, wor what are they working on? Do you always have this thing, you know, I, I find this in companies where the head of sales often says, I've been asking you this for three years now, right? <laughs> do, do you find, I mean, that's one of the, if, if there's not a single benefit, to, if, if there's one single benefit to Agile, I think it's got to be that. And I, yeah. the other, you know, we talked with Mike Volpe from HubSpot and he said, you know, he said it more eloquently than I'm going to say it. There's the, everyone's the VP of marketing syndrome that everyone in the company is, feels like they're a marketing genius or, or they're better than marketing no matter yeah. what. Yeah, and, I, and, and I, I, I would definitely rehash that from, from Mike. I'm a big fan of Mike Volpe and the work he's done at HubSpot. You know, the thing that also is that I really pride my team into is this, the great amount of autonomy that our, our, our folks right. have. And, and I think that what's really important about that is we really like to have a flat hierarchy here at Nitro. And obviously, as companies scale, that becomes, you know, a little bit less possible. You need to have some sort of, you know, org chart so the communication strategy can, can actually not get, get muted. But it, the, Agile really empowers people, I think. You know, it really gives the fact that everybody has a voice, you know, at a particular point in the day. If, if, you, if you do nothing else in Agile but start with a scrum and a daily stand-up, 
I think right. that that's a that's a great benefit you can walk away from is that everybody sort of has a voice. They can they can voice their concerns or if something seems confusing about what people are working on. And for marketers, it's a great way to collaborate. I mean, I love knowing what's going on in some of the different departments, um, so I can have my finger on a pulse. So my 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 folks can always be thinking about, gosh, I wonder how we can leverage that for demand gen, or man, that that sort of passion project the design guys are working on would be right. great for this particular campaign. And and if you don't have you know some sort of open line of communication and transparency, you're going to miss those great ideas. And I think Agile is, is, is a great tool for sort of really bringing those to the surface and bringing them to life. Wow, Sean, you've got me fired up here. Power to the people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to raise my fist. Sean, are you going to raise your fist with me right here? No. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more on the transparency side of things. I mean, I've, I don't know if you've taken to doing this, but in my in my current role at CoralSense, we, we do a, the science fair. Them. And then we, I borrowed that from you know Tom Wentworth, uh, who's now at Acquia, and, and I know that Mike does this at HubSpot as well, where we were doing it monthly, but we found that actually every other month we get together and do an internal webinar where we present you know the the sprint the last two sprints and and the transparency is amazing because for just since I've got a team half of our teams in Israel and half of it's here in the U.S. it just no one can complain they don't know what's going on in marketing. And it does, as you said, I mean, it just opens a whole lot of questions from people and, and it, you find the craziest ideas come from inside sales reps, yep. software testers. They come from weird corners of the organization that you wouldn't ordinarily predict just by being transparent and not being so arrogant and feeling like you have total and complete ownership of marketing, even though I guess you do, but the certain openness that you get and certain power that you get from from really being very open absolutely it's a great educational tool as well I mean you know we invite people who are interested in what we're doing to just join us for our daily uh, stand-ups you know find out what's going on in marketing you know it's also great when we have for example when we hired uh, you know about a few months ago our regional sales manager in uh, Melbourne Australia one of the greatest tools we could do is we invited him you know come to our daily stand-up every morning and figure out what we're doing in marketing and it was you know that sort of empirical sort of model really worked for him and he got it right away and he was able to ask awesome. questions and it was a great way to just sort of get people involved in like what we're doing and and, and having them understand you know all the, the different initiatives that marking is trying to do and also how we're contributing to the bottom line which I, I think is becoming even more important for marketing teams cool cool well, what I wanted to do it's some so many amazing things take a moment and kind of go through some of the things that I, I took a bunch of notes but I think that made a little bulleted list, which I always like to leave at the end for people who are taking notes, didn't take notes at home. I mean, some of the things you talked about, keeping your scrums to 15 minutes, I, I think I couldn't agree with you more on that. Well, when you get bigger, it sounds like you guys are growing like weed, right? I mean, your, your companies are growing like crazy. Everyone doesn't have to go to the scrum. You can send ambassadors when it starts to get big because then you get into that scrum of scrum challenge and don't make everyone feel like they're obligated. Get feedback from the team along the way to try and improve the way that you're using Agile. Uh, in this case, you've got you've outgrown the one scrum, so you've gone to two scrums and you've aligned them with the revenue streams. That's good. I mean, that's I can understand that. That's the way many businesses tend to grow, anyways, organically. Also, aligns people more closely with the with the goals of the business. Uh, you're still using some waterfall overlays. It's interesting, kind of. You have this project coordinator, who's kind of half half traffic person, half old school project manager half scrum master i guess that's 150 percent, but you get the point here start at the end as you described and then use those metrics to help you drive what you're doing 
Uh, borrow from agile sources, but on the other hand, adapt it for what works best with your organization. Don't be so dogmatic. And that's, again, a lesson that we've gotten. You're not you're about the fifth or sixth person to tell us that. Uh, myself being kind of a hacker it, it mentality, I think it's the same in my team. Some of them will be waterfall. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't really feel like you have to force it into agile if it's not going to be agile. There are certain things in the marketing world that just are going to be, you, you can't sign up for a trade show, you know, two weeks before the trade show comes. So understand that. And finally, power to the people, right? Agile can be empowering, particularly to people who are really, uh, you know, effective and smart and talented and really innovative. Absolutely. Did I, did I miss anything else? No, I, I, I think that the other thing I can just sort of add, and I, I sort of borrow from sort of the lean principles, is you really want to just keep iterating. You know, don't ever stop. I think Agile for us is very much a sort of living, breathing thing. And you cool. got to keep your feedback loops open um, and be really sort of, how do we make this better? How do we make it more valuable? You know, we definitely want to sort of strive for minimum viable product. And, and that's where I think the quality really comes through for us and how we adapt it to our agile methodologies. But just keep, keep iterating. You know, you're going to learn new things from along the way. And, and sometimes it's from the least suspectful people will have the greatest ideas. And, and agile really helps open that up and to make sure that you're, you're really optimizing all of your workflows. Great, Sean. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Sean Zinsmeister from Nitro, PDF, PTY, LTD soon to be Nitro Software. Great advice, awesome information. John, any last questions for our buddy Sean here? I just want to congratulate you on a, a well-run uh, team. It sounds like uh, you're growing. And uh, I, I think what's interesting actually is the whole story about how you progress over time and uh, I've added stuff. I think that's, that's really uh, um, interesting to see and uh, perhaps we can check back in with you uh, in a year's time and see how the team's grown and uh, what more results you have. Yeah, ab absolutely. You know, we're, again, we're, we're always learning uh, over here as well and I think that, you know, we're definitely not perfect uh, by any sense of the means and, you know, we, for example, we're about to, we're putting forth a new sort of what I'm calling Demand Gen 2.0 for enterprise powered by some exciting new technology that we have in our marketing automation and that's actually going to lend itself really well to our agile principles as well and about awesome. how to keep doing things and being productive and, and driving our numbers so we're, we're still always focused on improving great well one last thing and I, I should have given you this forewarning before we did it we usually let people plug something if there's anything that's going on he's speaking anywhere is your company doing anything kind of funky interesting new that you want to share with our listeners sure um, one thing is that we actually have a sales and marketing meetup here in San Francisco that I believe is September 8th that we're going to be holding here at Nitro. I'm, I'm going to actually be talking a little bit more about uh, our demand generation, how we're set up, and some agile discussions definitely going to be in the mix for that. So where can um, where can people look that up? Is it going to be posted on your website? or Probably be on meetup.com, and I'll, I'll sort of get the date. Uh, awesome. Wrong, awesome. but... Um, <laughs> Anything. Uh, sometimes I get lost in the flux with the amount of stuff that we have going on. Oh, I know. Um, I bet. The other thing is just to drop, you know, we're doing some great stuff over at nitropdf.com, and, you know, we're growing really, really quickly, so I kind of want to point a big plug for our, our, so we have a lot of open jobs, including engineering and some exciting sales and marketing positions opening up, and we're growing uh, quite quickly, so, so come check us out. Awesome opportunity if you're agile tired of waterfall land looking for a place that's growing pretty fast i have to say check out their website it's pretty cool stuff uh, it's great to see you guys thriving and succeeding and using 
really progressive approaches. Well, thanks again, Sean. Just to, to remind everyone, um, if you're interested in this podcast or any others, you can find us on iTunes, Marketing Agility Podcast. Uh, also, you can visit agilemarketingblog.com, the home of the Marketing Agility Podcast, uh, the Facebook group, Agile Marketing on Facebook. John Cass and Steve Goodman, who was our last interview, are, are great moderators of that group. If you have any questions, you can find John at pr.typepad.com. John, I always amaze myself that I remembered that. I guess it's kind of easy to remember, but I always have to double check with you that I got it right. And oh, you, can, you did. Thank you. <laughs> and you can find me at tangyslice.com. Well, on behalf of John Cass and myself, Frank Days, thank you again to Sean and have a great day. <laughs>